This Christmas season looks so different from any other Christmas before. We've had to completely rediscover how to do what we have always done. Sure, there is still shopping, but we do it with the click of a button and not visiting a store. Sure, there are Christmas carols, but not everything is full of joy and peace like the songs say. Sure, there are family gatherings, but a dinner over Zoom is not quite the same as gathering around a table. Rediscovering what Christmas was always meant to be in a season like this can be hard work, but it must be done. So this year, let's allow ourselves to rediscover Christmas. Rediscover the hope God gave us that will help us carry on. Rediscover the peace He gave us that passes all understanding. Rediscover a deep joy that lifts our heavy hearts and rediscover the love that is unlike any other. So as we spend time with our families, we find hope for a brighter tomorrow. As we search for that perfect gift, may we remember that it has already been given to us in the peace of Christ. As we gather with other believers at church, whether in person or online, embrace the joy that comes from being a part of something bigger than yourself. And as we are rediscovering what Christmas is all about, may we be marked by the way we love one another. This Christmas may be unlike any other, but it will be one we will never forget. Welcome back to Seeking Hope in Christ Ministries. My name again is Jamie. Um, this uh, next few weeks, um, we're going to be rediscovering Christmas and uh, um, in this great Advent season. Um, I hope you continue to join us as uh, last week we uh, um, discussed hope in uncertain times. And um, this week, of course, we're going to be finding peace in our struggles. Titus 2, 11 through 15 tells us, for the grace of God appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly possessions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness to, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Again, last week, we were finding hope in uncertain times. And um, that hope, we kind of, in this past um, um, scripture that I just read, um, gives that blessed hope. Um, and it's just... It's just an amazing, amazing story. This is just a, a beautiful story, and it's all about us redeeming this time we have in Advent and occupying it in our hearts. Allow God to occupy our hearts. See, Advent, like I said last week, is an opportunity to set all of our grievances and all of our despair aside. It's a time to prepare our hearts and help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own, the story of God's redeeming love for our world. Again, it's a season of not, of not pretending to be happy or covering up pain or hardships. We have experiences during the past year or continue to experience. It is a season of digging deep into the reality of what means that God sent His Son into the world to be Emmanuel. 
It's a season of expectations, preparations, opportunities to align ourselves with God's presence more than just a hectic season of presence. So again, whatever you are, wherever you are, however you are, the levels of 2020 anxiety and uncertainty, you are on your own spiritual journey. Again, we invite you into this season of Advent, and I'd like to suggest that in this craziness and uncertainty and pandemic of this year, we've been given that gift, a reminder of Jesus, and we've been given an opportunity to rediscover Christmas. Now, for a lot of us, Christmas is a very big deal. In Finland, it's also a very big deal. There's a great tradition there that happens every year. In fact, it's happened almost every year since the 1300s. That's a serious tradition going on for more than 700 years. It's called the Declaration of Christmas Peace. Each year at noon on Christmas Eve, the Christmas peace is declared in the city of Turku. The proclamation is read, usually by a city official, from the balcony of an historic mansion at the center of town in the, in the old Great Square. It's broadcast on a radio and television stations, of course, and now we can stream it on the internet. The declaration serves as a reminder and an encouragement to spend the holiday in harmony, to threaten offenders with harsh punishments, and to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. So this proclamation reads, Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all, by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully. Because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall under aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to what the law and statuses statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. Wow, you better not mess with the Finns' Christmas peace or you'd be dealt with harshly. But what a great way to usher in Christmas, though, with a reminder of Christ's coming and the peace that brings He brings into this world. So over the past few weeks and the weeks to come towards Christmas, you know we've been celebrating Advent. A recap of the word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked with expectations, waiting, anticipations, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past present, future, Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the great Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. God, I can't wait. Advent looks back in celebration at hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in hope and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. Now, during Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. Each week, we're focusing on a different attribute of of God represented in the coming of Jesus. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Each of these traits leads us into the rediscovery of Christmas. And we're glad you're here with us to rediscover peace. We are looking at different characters in a biblical story 
of Christmas and seeing how they encounter the arrival of Jesus in the world. And when we think of peace embodied in the Christmas story, we can't help but think of the shepherds. They were the unlikely recipients of God's message of peace. Let's read Luke's account about them together. It's such a beautiful, almost poetic passage of scripture. And maybe that's especially true for those of us who grew up watching Linus recite recite this message in a Charlie Brown's Christmas when he tells Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's a great moment in TV history, but long before TV was imagined, it was a beautiful, inspired writing by Luke. So Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8, this is the word of God. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that all that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Man, there is a lot of stuff wrapped up in these paragraphs. To begin, this is like God's birth announcement to the world. And what a way to announce a long-awaited event that happened in such an unexpected way. Suddenly in the middle of the dark, an ordinary night in Bethlehem countryside, an angel appears in the sky and then joined by a sky full of angels. The New Living Translation calls them the armies of heaven, and it's hard to imagine just how magnificent and bright and terrifying and glorious a sight this must have been. And then there's the sound. Altogether, these incredible angels are praising God, probably singing and declaring glory to God in heaven and peace on earth to humanity. How loud must it have been? Or could anyone else even hear it? Most would assume the audience for this grand announcement and amazing angelic show must have been the most important VIPs, the rich, the famous, the powerful, the kings and queens, the movers and the shakers of the world, right? No, that's not true at all. You know this story. It's those shepherds, those completely ordinary average Joes, night shift working animal tenders who are the unlikely, unexpected recipients of this message of peace, wholeness, and God's favor. It's yet another scene in how God is perfectly flipping this script on what we humans would expect and plan 
and do if, we were, if it were up to us to save the world. But the whole experience certainly leaves us asking, why on earth shepherds? Why these completely unexpected and unassuming guys? Well, maybe it's because the shepherds actually tie many biblical threads together. First, the shepherds remind us that the patriarchs of Israel were shepherds and nomadic animal tenders, roaming ranchers of the ancient world. Abraham was the original recipient of God's covenant that he would bless all nations of the world. And this promise was carried on through Abraham's ancestors, Isaac, Jacob, and beyond. David, Israel's greatest king, was the first shepherd as well. But the shepherds were the everyday man. They were nothing special. They weren't entitled. They had no pride or arrogance and no religious bloating. They fit right into the process of introducing God's Messiah, a humble carpenter and a peasant girl as parents for the Son of God, a birth in a lowly stable surrounded by animals, rough and rugged shepherds out in the fields on the edge of the more refined civilization. These were the have-nots, examples of God raising and using the humble and and turning the world as we know it on its head. Those considered by society to be the most holy weren't given a place in the stable to kneel on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. These shepherds also signify Jesus' first ministry and teaching. Sheep might have been lowly animals, but they were very special animals in Jewish culture. The Passover lamb was the sacrifice was the sacrifice an ancient Jew would sacrifice the ancient Jew would make during the most important holiday. Its blood was the atonement for person's sins, the cost that had to be paid to restore a person with God. And each time it was done, this sacrifice was a reminder of the original Passover and God's rescue and exodus of his people from Egypt. You and I both know that Jesus was entering our world to fulfill his identity as the Lamb of God who came to take away our sins of the world. He was the ultimate sacrifice and payment for our sins. His death did away with the need for these sacrificial lambs. His resurrection made it possible for us to be fully restored in the relationship with God. His life made it possible to experience true peace, shalom in the Hebrew language and culture, the word and the concept that encapsulates the completeness and wholeness of God's original creation. It's probably partly for all these reasons that God sent his angelic messengers to announce the birth of his son to the shepherds. It certainly reminds us that God's favor is not based on human standards. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and accept the gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love that Jesus brings us. Peace is not based on class or position or occupation, but on God's purpose and design to bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. So the shepherds have taught us that uh, we have peace restored in us through the birth of Jesus. And that even in the midst of our storms, we can find that same very peace. Today we don't even have to have hurricanes or blizzards or anything like that um, to give us storms. We have a spiritual storm we're in right now. Guys, we're in the middle of um, a warfare, and um, it is high time if you haven't. And I hope these messages encourage you to um, look to Jesus, look to God, 
find your salvation and your peace within him. You know, again, like I said, these times are really not um, inclement weather that causes our storms. It's more, again, spiritual. It's more worldly. It's, it's the things that are going on out of our control. No matter what, how hard we try or what we do, the world controls most of it. So um, I believe we've spent a lot of time maybe from about, you know, 80s to 90s. We were probably in the middle of a storm, middle of an eye of a hurricane. And you know how the eye works. It's very calm and, and, and easy to, to, to uh, the air is very calm and, and, and the situations are very easy. But then, it, but then it wraps right back around and then the storm hits again. And I believe in the 60s and 70s, we had major storm. 80s and 90s, we had the eye of the storm. The 2000s, here we are, back in the middle of the storm. Have you ever experienced a hurricane? Have you ever lived through the eye of the hurricane? It's an eerie experience. You've seen it on the weather radar at the center of a circling storm. But there is truly a stillness right at the center of the melee. There, the winds calm, the rains cease. It's a pause. It's temporary, though. It doesn't last. And then those winds start howling again, this time in the opposite direction. Let me ask you, how is your Christmas season going? How does your Christmas season typically go? If we're honest with each other, we typically might choose words like busy, hectic, or frantic to describe our lives at this time of year, or maybe even all year around. Maybe it's an overloaded schedule that robs you of your peace, or maybe it's something more relational. Pressure at work, a lost job, an illness, you name it, we have plenty of options to choose from this year. You see, for many of us, peace sounds like a long way off. Just a good idea. A nice thought for the holidays. Or just something we even long for. If this is where you find yourself today, let me encourage you that Jesus shows up when the storms of life threaten our peace and hope and joy. He is there with us when love seems lost and the way forward is totally unclear. But in these times... This is when God shows up. This is where the Christ child is born. This is where angels show up. In the middle of Israel's dark night of Roman oppression and centuries of suffering and wondering, where is God? In the middle of the world turned upside down for a young Jewish couple who have found themselves at the center of cosmic events while at the same time trying to navigate the normal life realities of paying their dues by traveling by foot across the country to be counted by the government and having to experience childbirth birth for the first time far from home without the support and care of a woman or midwives who have guided Mary through this who would have guided Mary through these painful processes and then being first time parents not only with the joys and wonder and fear and responsibility of having their first son but God's son in all these circumstances In all these struggles, this is where God shows up. And this is where God continues to show up for us. In our pain, in our fears, in our confusion, in our grief, in our losses, in our uncertainties. 
So the Holy Spirit just now has interrupted my thoughts and bringing a passage from 2 Corinthians, looks like verses 3 through 5. And I'm led to ask you to um, replace the word comfort with the word peace. You see, in this time, in 2 Corinthians, um, Paul has written a letter to the Corinthians trying to uh, to uh, keep the church unified, and um, he's being undermined by his opponents. But again, um, the title in this uh, section is called God of All Comfort. Again, in certain, certain circumstances in this, try to replace the word comfort with peace. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For we, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I feel like uh, Paul here is trying to uh, give a sense of shalom to the Corinthians to keep them boosted, to keep them fired up, to keep them unified. Um, comfort, peace probably could be intertwined as the same word um, in certain circumstances like that. Um, it's not often that I get in the middle of something and then this pops up and I am blessed by this and I, and I hope you are too. Um, it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing that uh, God is comforter and peacemaker to all. I don't claim to know every hardship you're facing today or every wince of pain you are feeling but God does he is there bringing peace to calm your heart peace that defies all circumstances peace that defies all circumstances that's great you say it sounds nice you might be thinking but Jamie, you don't know how bad it hurts. Well, no, I'm sorry, I don't. I can only imagine how awful it is. I can only agree with you on how unfair it might be. But let me encourage you that there is peace that is deeper. There is peace that defies your circumstances. No, in the face of all you are feeling and all you have gone through, God's peace just doesn't make sense, but it is real, and it is healing, and it can guard your heart from continuing wounds, and it can protect your mind from the onslaught of anxiety. Paul again describes in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, that um, there is a peace that defies your circumstances. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your greatness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let me encourage us today, no matter what you are facing, that this process begins with us turning to God, bringing our hurts and our questions and doubts and whys and needs to Him. As Paul says it, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now again, I don't pretend to fully understand it, but there is power in prayer and a transformation that grows from gratitude. It's not the power of getting what you want or convincing God to see things your way. We can try, and He will definitely listen, but much more than that, the power of prayer happens in this experience of peace as our perspective changes and finds an understanding that God is with us no matter what and an acknowledgement and acceptance that he's got this he can be trusted he is enough so peace can be a person peace is a person it all, comes back, it all comes back to a person. Peace is a person. Did I say that right? Peace is a person. Did you hear that right? Peace is Jesus. For he himself is our peace, Paul says in Ephesians 2.14. And long before his arrival on earth, the prophet Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Man. There are a few politically sounding tones in this message, and you can see why the Jews who wanted their political freedom and independence were eager to see a political Messiah. And more importantly, there are tones of completion of Christ's work and his eventual establishment of God's kingdom. But most of all, the child that is born, this son that's given to us, brings the power and rule of his peace into your personal life. He is the bringer of peace between us and God, the sacrificial lamb, the giver of life. He is the embodiment of shalom, wholeness, what we find in relationship with him. Jesus is the God who is to come be with us and he offers us the invitation in this advent season and always come to me all who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest did you hear that i will give you rest comfort peace shalom take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find the rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 
Is that not an offer of peace? Let's let those words wash over us. And in the second week of Advent, let me encourage us all to look for the Prince of Peace. Even when the winds blow and the storms swirl, let me encourage us to come to Him and worship like the shepherds. Even when we find ourselves in the darkness or in the storm, let remind us to come to Him because He is here. That Prince of Peace is with us. And may Jesus be your peace this week, guarding your soul and peace, filling your spirit with the wholeness of shalom, and ruling as the Prince of Peace in your heart. And may Lord of Peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Amen. I can't help but feel as I'm ending this podcast today, again the Holy Spirit working on me. The Holy Spirit is just an amazing, amazing it's not he the spirit is not just a tool, it's an indwelling. It's an indwelling of God in, in you. That's the gift of salvation. And those of you who don't think you're worthy of being saved, let me give you the simplicity of salvation. First Corinthians one through four. First Corinthians fifteen, one through four. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, and if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you will have believed in vain. For what I have received I have passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for your sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. And if you believe that, if you believe in your heart that God came to this earth wrapped in flesh, was died and crucified on the cross, and three days rose again after his burial, you are saved, sealed, sanctified till the day of redemption. It really is that simple. Just believe it and trust it. Turn away. The meaning of the word metanoia um, is turn away. Repentance. Turn away. Jesus died on that cross to save you from your sins. Of your past, of the present, and of the future. That is a symbol of peace. Shalom.